Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Give me Clemson to win. I think Duke covers, but Clemson wins. Wonder if they're thinking four down territory here if they don't pick this up. On third down and three, design run for Leonard, and he's able to break a tackle to get the first down and more. Leonard inside the 20, stiff arms and a fender inside the five and into the end zone. It's a touchdown. What a play by Riley Leonard. One of the best plays of week one. 44-yard scamper for a score. And look, as much as I'd love for Duke to win the game, and see this this paranoid, sensitive Clemson fan base unravel. I don't think that happens. I don't think it's close. I think I, I think Clemson rolled. that the Blue Devils will indeed take out the Clemson Tigers and make a statement to the rest of the ACC to start the season. So I've got them winning that one. Down goes Clemson. The Devils win it 28-7. Like I said, 18 starters coming back from a 9-4 football team. You get them game number one where your fan base is as rabid as they're going to be all season long thinking about the what-ifs. They believe in Riley Leonard. They believe in Coach Elko. And that's why I think up in that environment, it powers the Blue Devils to an opening week upset. All right, well, <laughs> did we overdo it? I mean, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. No, because people did think that I was delusional the whole offseason. <laughs> when I was on Michael Felder's podcast and I said this, they said, whoa, whoa. Everybody thought that I was a bit delusional <laughs> in my picks. And, you know, last night it was just really cool to see it happen, man. We don't get everything right, but sometimes we do get it right. I had a whole different uh, topics listed for this, but now we're going to get into it. Let's do it. Since we're here, we're here. Okay. Let's get it cracking. I told y'all that a nine and four football team, they beat the brakes off. One of the best group of five teams of the last decade ended their season, had to sit around. You had to hear about how you were the seventh or eighth best team, even though you had 18 starters returning, you had to hear how big, bad Clemson had Garrett Riley as their offensive coordinator. Kay Klebnik was going to morph into Deshaun Watson and they were going to come in and steamroll the Duke blue devils. You had to hear about how Clemson was a 13 point favorite that moved up from 12 to Start this game. You heard how Clemson was just going to come in there and roll, and it was going to be business as usual. But, oh, no, folks, I tried to tell you about Riley Leonard. <laughs> I tried to tell you about the Duke offense. I tried to tell you about Graham Barton, one of the best offensive tackles in the country. I tried to tell you about Dwayne Carter. At the ACC Digital Network, we put together the top 25 players returning, the best 
returning players of the season. Duke had multiple guys in there, four to be exact. Jalen Calhoun, okay, he was in the bottom rungs in the 20s. But then we had Graham Barton, Dwayne Carter, and Riley Leonard all in the top 10. Now, let's get to the game. I saw the first three plays of this game. When Clemson handed the ball off three consecutive times, I said to myself, they are not comfortable with with Cade Klubnick throwing the football. That was my first red flag of this Clemson offense. And then he proceeded a couple of plays later to put the ball in the hands of a Duke defender. I said at that point, Clemson is in trouble. And then when Duke was up a score, I said all they need to do is kick a field goal and this game field goal and this game is sealed. Then when I get back after getting a burrito, after being famished, <laughs> going to tailgates, interviewing fans, working in the heat all day. I hear my take on ACC network because I talked to one of the analysts and I said the same take about the first three plays of the game, and I hear it on ACC Network, oh, no. and I said, that's how I know. Oh, no, they stole. That's how I know. They stole your take. That's why I told my girl. I said, baby, you remember this? I said, listen to this. And I said, this is how I know. But the Duke Blue Devils came out. They handled their business, but I knew that Clemson was not comfortable with Cade Klubnick. And I started calling. I, I just got a feel for the game as it went on. I knew once especially when Duke got up 21-7, I said, this game now is going to fall on the back of K. Klubnik, and he is not ready. I said, the interception is coming. What happened? He threw an interception. Even though it was a ricochet, he still threw an interception. And I knew after that point he was not going to be effective. K. Klubnik is just not that guy. He's a good athlete, but he's not the passer that Clemson has had. They tried to put the pressure on him to be the next Deshaun, to be the next Trevor. He's not ready for that, man. And this Clemson offense, like you said, there's some blame to go around. The skilled talent is average outside of Will Shipley. Uh, This program is in trouble. They don't have an offense capable of getting to the college football playoffs. Now, I will give myself a little bit of a nail here because I still picked Clemson to go to Charlotte and play Duke again. But I'm not so sure that's going to happen after what I saw from Florida State and Clemson's offense. Mm-hmm. They're just not ready. All right, so let's sit here with this game. And yeah. there's plenty of other storylines to get to. My takeaway from this game, number one, is the skill guys aren't ready. I think if we go and we try to go to the pie chart, remember the pie chart? I always say, Fitty, don't eat the pie chart. <laughs> that was back in the day. Don't eat the pie chart, Fitty. No, it's a piece of cardboard. Don't do it. But if we were to play the blame game, how much of it goes to Cade? How much of it goes to the offensive line? Dabo Sweeney, Garrett Riley, all that stuff. I don't think that Cade is sharing the 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 main responsibility. I don't even think it's really Garrett Riley. Mm-hmm. I think what you're seeing most of the most here is Dabo Sweeney and the wide receivers and the skill players more so. Because I think the offensive line, we talked about it a little bit. They were better at run blocking than pass protection, in my opinion. But there weren't many sacks that they gave up to Kate Klubnick. Like the offensive line looks good enough to me. I I think Kate Klubnick, oh, I know this is tough. I think he looks good enough. I don't think the receivers are good at all, Wes. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest problem. It's I don't think there's any help. Forget an alpha. Forget number one. I need somebody to show that they can be wide receiver number two in a high flying offense. 
Because you didn't see that from Bo Collins. You didn't see that from Antonio Williams. I think Will Shipley is a good player. I don't think he is a New York City, everybody watch out. He might be in the Heisman race. I don't think he's that. I think he's a really good college player. I don't think he's a Heisman guy. I like Phil Maffa. The best thing about their offense is probably their running backs and their running game. I think they're going to rely a lot on that as long as they don't fumble in the red zone. But you had a few drops. I thought there was some decent throws from Cade Klubnick to the outside of the numbers. They got dropped. There were drops for sure. And they didn't even have separation on some of those throws. Wes Duke was saying, hey, our cornerbacks. I mean, think of how crazy this is. Our corners. We're going to line up. Man coverage. We don't need no help. Man coverage. And you have to beat us that way. Usually, that is a disaster of a game plan. But Mike Elko can scheme it up. Mike Elko is proving time and time again that this guy is a defensive genius, dare I say. And now what we're getting from him on top of what is a bad skill group with the Clemson offense, you know, I think I think Clemson's going to be in a lot of trouble because of the wide receivers, because of the lack of talent they have, tight ends, pass catching whatsoever. And I don't know if Kate Klubnick, even if I don't think that there's a lot of responsibility for him, I don't think he's good enough to overcome the lack of skill talent that some of these top-tier QBs have to be, he's not in that realm. And I would have to agree with you on that, and I'll also give credit to Graham Barton, Justin Pickett, Jacob Monk, Maurice McIntyre, and Jake Hornibrook. Duke's offensive line, man, they were phenomenal. Yeah. Shut down Clemson. They have now not relinquished a sack in two consecutive games dating back to the military bowl against Central Florida. They really came out. Now, Duke's defensive line definitely, and that front seven definitely provided pressure. Riley Leonard was not comfortable back there all night throwing the football, but they weren't able to get home and get a sack, maybe force fumbles and different things of that nature. And so that's the thing that you saw there. And I know that Clemson fans – you have to look at the, the the talent, like you said, and then Garrett Riley. Still, at the end of the day, I know there were plenty of fans who were saying we got rid of Brandon Streeter after one season, paid this guy one point seven five million, and he's supposed to come in and fix. I'm doing air quotes. Fix the offense didn't work out for him. Seven points. Yeah. Last thing as we move on, you know how people will give you the caveat they were the better team that day. That ain't true. No, it's the not. better team. Duke is the better team. I don't need the that. Grizzled veterans. They were the better team. It was amazing. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
Wednesday. This is the Wes and Walker Show. We should come up with a theme, Walker, since it's Wednesday. Wes and Walker, we talk about all the dubs. We got so many W's around. Dub day? Well, Something we like that? I thought our theme was War Cry Wednesday. We didn't no doubt. One. No doubt about it. But we can have subtitles. You know, Wu-Tang members, they all had different names. You know, it was Method Man, a.k.a. Johnny Blaze, okay. a.k.a. You know, different stuff like that. So what about War Cry Wednesday. All right. I've got a, a euphoria moment here. For some reason, I was thinking of Wu-Tang Clan, Protect mm-hmm. Your Neck. Especially with Brian Burns, we could have a segment called Protect Your Check. Yeah. Maybe we could do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's so, doing right now. He's protecting that check. Protect your check. Maybe we do that. I, I mean, it's it's more of an off season. So like Nick Bosa, Chris Jones, Brian Burns. I like that. They're very much vibing to protect like your that. check right now. They haven't watched the show either. I have not. I know. Yeah. There's How many have you put me on that you're angry with me have not That's, watched? It's a few, man. <laughs> I try to keep my anger at bay, but I'm just like, <laughs> Wu-Tang might be number one, though, because I'm like, you're such a hip-hop hit, and the show is so good. The Wu- Wu-Tang is the one. Yeah, it's so good, man. You'll love it. But anyway. Protect your check. Hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Hit that follow button, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at Wesson Walker on Twitter, at Wes Bryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail, at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter, and Instagram, hit those follow buttons, and we appreciate the followers that we do have. We're getting not necessarily close to a thousand, but we're three quarters of the way there on Twitter, man. So help us get to a thousand. And now it is time for the campus counter. Listen, man, another component to the opening weekend of college football, whether you want to count week zero as opening weekend or week one. Listen, This quarterback class, phenomenal, okay? When you talk about the potential, if Shadour Sanders continues to play how he's playing, you add him to the mix of Caleb Williams, Drake May, Bo Nix, whether you like him or not. I'm not the biggest Bo Nix fan, but this is a guy that still is probably going to be a first-round pick. Michael Penix, Riley Leonard, Jordan Travis, Quinn Ewers, Jaden Daniels, I mean, J.J. McCarthy, K.J. Jefferson, there are some really, really good quarterbacks in this class. I think there's going to be a lot of action at the top of this draft, especially I think that Shador Sanders is going to play his way into the top five alongside Drake May and Caleb Williams as this season progresses. I mean, Walker, what do you make about this class? Do you feel like this could be the best quarterback class ever when you just talk about depth? I mean, I know we had the 1983 quarterback class and some of those, but, man, this class looks like it is shaping up to be something serious. Uh, I mean, so if we just go recent history, I'm trying to look at some that might even come close to what this class can do, and they obviously have to deliver on the height, but just based off our evaluation of what they do in college, yeah, this, this class is getting out of control. If we look at 2018, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. That was pretty highly anticipated to see all those guys. Now, Baker doesn't work out. Sam Darnold is a backup with San Francisco. Josh Rosen doesn't work out. Josh Allen absolutely does. And Lamar Jackson absolutely does. So, top-heavy, you're talking about two of the top what? I mean, you could argue top five. I don't want to do the QB rank thing. You get the idea. There are people that probably have both of those QBs in their top five, and everybody else is either out of the league or a backup. So five guys in the first round. That's the one I go back to, Wes. I don't know if you had a class in mind, but yeah, Caleb Williams, Drake May, 
both being 100% number one overall picks in a lot of different drafts that don't include each other. And then Shador, uh, I'd like to be a part of this party. I'll just throw for 500 yards immediately. Okay, yeah, welcome to the party, Shador. This thing could be crazy, and I can't wait to see how this all unfolds. Well, the thing is, too, with that class that you named, there were a lot of guys that people were kind of uncertain about, though, as far as, and no guy's a certainty in a draft. Yeah. But when you talk about Josh Allen, people had their knocks on him, but he looked like he was a really good prospect. But Josh Rosen was another guy that people were kind of like, yeah, he'll be a first-rounder, Love but you're like, eh, Josh Rosen. I did, too, Way especially out. coming out of high school. <laughs> yeah. But when you look at Caleb Williams, Drake May, possibly Shadour Sanders, like, these are guys that people are looking at and feeling like yeah. they can't miss. And that's the difference with these guys. You're looking at them like, man, these guys. No, can't. you're right. You're you're completely right. I mean, even if we go to a Tua Justin Herbert back-to-back, right? I mean, those guys had question marks. Tua more so the size before we just leaned all the way into not caring about how tall you were with Kyler Murray. Even Sam Howe getting drafted a little bit later. But then Bryce Young being the number one overall pick. So, you're right about that. Drake May, no one feels any it, you have zero remorse there's nothing there's nothing you're worried about with drake may enough to deter you from selecting him same thing with caleb williams and shador as long as we get the consistency which we got it last year if he continues to do anything close to what he did in week one every game then yeah top five pick is going to be written all over and then a big piece of news just dropped on x or twitter whichever you prefer Dove climbing the aggregate God said, according <laughs> to GQ magazine, Caleb Williams is willing to stay in school if he doesn't want to play for the team with the first pick in a draft. His father, Carl Williams, said that his son could stay at USC for an extra year if he doesn't like the environment of the team holding the number one pick of the 2024 draft. And so this is an interesting development. He says, quote, the funky thing about the NFL draft process is he'd almost be better off not being drafted than being drafted first. System is completely backwards. The way the system is constructed, you go to the worst possible situation. So I don't like this. I feel like, you know, when you're going to be the number one pick of the draft, you're probably going to be on a bad team. You just have to grin and bear it and figure it out. I feel like that's part of the responsibility but this is also a byproduct more than ever of the NIL era because if you're Caleb Williams, you're playing football in sunny, beautiful, gorgeous Southern California. You're already making millions of dollars as a player. How much incentive would you have to go to a city you don't like, to go play for a team you don't like when you could come back for another season in sunny, beautiful, gorgeous <laughs> Southern California, be a national championship favorite, and making millions of dollars. Well, yeah, and we've seen other quarterbacks do this before, but you're right. Yeah, but they want to get into M's in college, yeah. It makes it easier. It absolutely makes it easier for Caleb Williams. And if you feel like Arizona, largely projected to get the number one overall pick and even number two, owning another selection in there, if you think they're going to get that pick and you just don't think the Cardinals are a team that you would like to play for, then Caleb Williams can go back to school, make some money, as you mentioned, and possibly win a title with USC. And so I understand it. I know you don't love it. Uh, for me, I, I, I have no problem with a guy not – because think about it. If you get drafted and you go to an organization, okay, even if you're a sure thing – we know a lot of your success is based off the situation you're in at that time. Sure. And so if you don't trust the situation that you're in, 
and you sacrifice the first year, two, three, however long your contract plays out before you eventually potentially get traded like a Trey Lance, then I understand you finagling it so much so to the point where you get to be drafted by a team that you're better off going to in your mind than whoever has the number one overall selection. You talk about money getting played with. A bad situation will take money out of your pocket big time, and especially if... You know, there's just a lot of different things that you might not want to deal with. So I understand well, where Caleb is coming. And also add to the mix, what if you win a second consecutive Heisman, the first guy to do it since Archie Griffin? He'll be making more money than a lot of pro quarterbacks. Now, not a whole lot because we know how much those guys make. But he'd be making so much money if he came back just to chase alone for a possible third Heisman, even though we feel like that would be out of the stratosphere. Right. If USC gets to the national championship game, wins the national championship, oh, his his money, he'd be good. So I'm not for it personally, but I could understand where the thought process comes from. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Couldn't get my dog fast enough. Walker was in here jamming just now. You guys missed. He definitely hit the the Fresh Prince. Was that a, a, a homage to Fresh Prince it right an, there? It was an homage to Fresh Prince. It's when he's decorating his room and then he's getting out the stapler. Putting oh, up. yeah, I remember that. And then he, yeah. he would hit the stapler with the beat. Yep. Yeah, I, I remember a, that. I think it's a Malcolm X poster. He's, yeah. up and he's dancing to this song, and he's dancing and putting the staples in there. Yes, that's exactly the dance that I hit for you. God, that song, did he hit it, Fitty. Like, it's a booty mover, man. I can't, I can't stop. Shay. I just got up out of my chair because it was such a booty. All time booty man, mover. That was that was lit right there, man. So keep hitting us up on the text line seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Coming off the tennis convo, AJ says, "Hey, Fitty, since Serena wasn't as good as the female tennis oh, players no. of previous generations, do you think any of these U.S. ladies could have <laughs> maybe competed with the greats?" Ooh, that's a. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to derail the conversation. I think the answer would be no, though. I mean, like they they, they might compete. They might have competed, but it's taken golf how long to get to a first semifinal at the U.S. Open? Uh, Lord, finish, she's, what, she's nineteen. 19? She's you know, nineteen years you know, old. That's Key, right. You know, Keys has been up and down. Sloan Stevens is off the face of the earth. Like, I think that's the thing is that the sport has struggled to have good homegrown American talent for some time. That's why we're all excited about tonight because you can have a chance to have an all-American final. In New York, 
That'd be a great scene on Saturday afternoon. All right. That's the tennis talk for uh, this segment. Now, you let's get that to time. the campus. Count. Shador Sanders coming off his fantastic performance against TCU, 510 yards, four passing touchdowns, over 80% completions, was asked if he could notice differences between FBS play and FCS play, and this is what the young man had to say. I'll say the only difference between FCS and this level is the D-line get off blocks if you try to scramble up faster. That's it. Everything else, you got good players, you got good DBs, good receivers, everything like that. You just have more of those on the on the field at once. You got to think, everybody on the field ain't going first round. A lot of people on the field may not get drafted. So don't let people fear names. I don't fear names because I really don't care. But that's the biggest thing. When you fear names and, and you let, that's half the battle. You already losing. Dang, we playing TCU. I respect the university. I respect everything about them. But personally, I just never cared about names. You got to love that type of bravado right there. That's definitely Deion Sun. But you know what? I think there's a lot of truth in that because we've seen a lot of guys come up from FCS to FBS and be dominant football players. And I think he's going to add to the list. And I think that he was telling the truth in a lot of ways. A lot of people don't realize, man, they think that the Alabamas and the Clemsons, they think that every single player on that roster, some four or five star that's been waiting for their chance and is just a monster and waiting. It's a lot of trash on a lot of these teams all over college football. And Shadour is right. Everybody on the field is not going to play in the NFL. We've seen a lot of great teams, teams considered to be the greatest of all time. I look at that a lot, too, especially uh, doing videos for the ACC Digital Network when we do these NFL draft tapes for guys and we're putting together a video for guys that we know will be high-round picks or guys in college that are just really dominant and you think they're going to have these great NFL careers and they go to the NFL and, and you don't hear from them anymore. Like one guy that comes to mind for me just off the top of my head, I remember Mackenzie Alexander from Clemson, the cornerback. He was so dominant in college. And you were like, man, this guy's going to be a really good pro. You saw I think him. I saw him on his second or third team or something like that this offseason. Like, he's been okay, but not nearly the talent. Like, you see it all the time. So, I would agree with Shadour that uh, you can't get caught up in names. Or McKenzie, by the way. Just see <laughs> Well, you know, he, his name just came to my mind. Uh, he's one of many, but uh, Shadour, I think, is telling a very good good uh, tale there and I think for him being the leader of a football team and a quarterback you need that type of confidence from your signal caller. So a couple things for me. Here for everything about this comment. Here for him being as confident as any QB out there and coming in and wrecking shop game one. He did not have to have this transition to get settled in. No I'm going to throw for 500 yards off the rip. And I do like that he was a little detailed in the defensive lineman not allowing you to just freelance it back there as much as maybe in the FCS level. We also have to remember, it's not like TCU's defense was amazing last year, and it doesn't look like TCU's defense is going to be great this year. No, not everybody's a first-round pick, that's true, but I do think they're going to face better defenses, I think. I think they're going to face better defenses as they move on. The thing is, I expect Shador to continue to put up big-time numbers. I do not think that Shador is fake at all. I think what you saw is the real deal. I just think he might have a little bit of a different impression after we have a full season's work 
at this type of level. But yeah, Shador is, is here for all of the smoke, and he welcomed it in that 500-yard performance. I just wonder, like, if that's the case, why do you not why do we not see more FCS upsets of of FBS teams? If well, really... you had started to see it though. That, that over the last probably decade, 12 years, you've seen more than you've probably ever seen. I mean, just in but the it's ACC still big alone, time outliers, we've right? seen Liberty come in and beat Virginia Tech at Lane Stadium. Uh, we've seen Old Dominion beat Virginia Tech. Those I hate to keep banging on Virginia though. Tech. FBS. Yeah, yeah, those programs. are FBS programs. No, no, no. I mean, I, I felt like. Yeah, it's it's pretty damn. But outliers. I know it's happened. Though. I mean, you I mean of course you know we all know App State, Michigan. Uh, we all know North Dakota State went to Iowa and won one year when they were a national championship program uh, up there. Like right. I mean, I I, I see I, I hear what he's saying. Yeah. But at the level of play is so even. How come these FC uh, these, these these FCS programs well, aren't aren't beating low tier FBS programs more often than not? I don't think he was saying like that it's that it's easy or anything like that. I, I don't think that's not the messaging, especially when you're talking about guys that are great players. But I think he was saying for him as a quarterback that that was the differences that he sees. And as far as if you're a really good player, you can come up and play on that level. He's not talking about teams being able to come up and constantly dominate. And all I'm saying is that uh, it's happened. Like you said, North Dakota State beat number 13 Iowa in 2016. Montana beat number 20 Washington in 2021. Yeah. So, I mean, it happens. You know what I'm saying? And so, but I yeah, think... But, it's still, like, but we, we can't act like that's even close to any semblance of a trend, right? Like, yeah, that's he's just saying, monster yeah, upsets. And, and I just got from him that if you're a really, really good player, that you can move up in class and still be able to compete. So, yeah. uh, I, I think that's what he was saying. And he was just saying, you can't get caught up. One of the keys to being a really good player on any level is not to get caught up in getting beat off the bus, as they like to say. No, like, the names we, thing is cool. Like yeah. when he's talking about, I don't fear names. It, it did set, you know, Copeland, a.k.a. Oakland wrote in, like, no, it wasn't bravado. It was well-grounded confidence. It, it did come across as that. Like, no, I I don't fear names. And by the way, I wouldn't either if my dad was Dion. <laughs> right. <laughs> Prime time. How how in the world are you going to see anything other than oh this this fame? Working with somebody that has a lot of confidence. Yeah, I I know what that's about. I don't know who you are on the other side, but I'm the son of Dion, and I'm my own self too. I'm Shador at a different position. Yeah, like of course he's not going to be afraid of names, and I do like the way he even stated it. No doubt about it. You can watch Colorado yet again noon Saturday, taking on Nebraska. The rivalry is renewed now. Dion said they are taking it personal. The Buffalo said they are taking it personal. So I'm sure everybody will be locked in on that amongst all the other great games on Saturday. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
This is the Wes and Walker Show on a football Friday. The texts are rolling in. Keep them coming. 704-570-9610. I got a personal text from Spence who asked why didn't, I guess, the 49ers sign Newt Hopkins says he was begging for him because we didn't need him. He's old and washed up and uh, we'll need DeAndre Hopkins. So, there's your answer, Spence. Did he, did he text your personal number? No, he did not, but oh, I okay. just said, you know, personal message. Oh, he gotcha. my name leading it all. I don't know if you were giving your phone number out there like that. No, <laughs> no, no doubt about Spence it. Spence got it. No doubt about it. And so, uh, also, we have the 704 number asking, why aren't we talking about LaVisca Chenault and the new Kansas City wide receiver uh, that Carolina picked up as well. So we'll get to that, and maybe we can uh, get that in as we preview Carolina and Atlanta. But for now, it's time to go to the campus. Kona! Bad news for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Mac Brown ripped the NCAA on Thursday after receiving word that receiver Tez Walker will be ineligible to play this season, saying the NCAA has failed Walker and his family. Brown said it makes no sense and it never will, quote, unquote. Walker and North Carolina have spent months appealing the NCAA's initial decision to reject his waiver to play in 2023 as a two-time transfer on multiple grounds. Mental health challenges he has experienced leading to his decision to transfer closer to home and that he never played at his first school, North Carolina Central, because his season was canceled as a result of the pandemic. His two previous schools, North Carolina Central and Kent State, filed waivers in support of Tez Walker playing this year. So, I mean, does the NCAA just really have a, I can't use the term I would want to use, but just have a severe lust to want to ruin a young man's uh, season and, and, and set back his career. After you get support from both schools, you see that the young man wanted to be closer to his grandmother, who is sick. This is verified. But yet and still, they say, no, you can't play, and all the evidence is right there. It's ridiculous. I can't make anything of this. And I'm sad for this kid. Yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate. With the rules coming in after Tez Walker decided to make this move to transfer to North Carolina to be closer to family because of some of those personal reasons. And now you're talking about Tez Walker not being able to play in week one and all of us being in this limbo. North Carolina gets past that. Drake Meg is wearing the Tez Walker jersey. We get too close to their week two game and the NCAA ruling comes down and says, nope, Tez Walker not allowed to play. And you talk about a strongly worded statement from Mac Brown, the, the PR statement, the statement from the head coach of North Carolina saying shame on you NCAA all caps you went all caps on him at the end shame on you can't make any sense of it yeah it's a real problem and you hate to see it Fiddy I know you guys were talking about this you wouldn't flounder HTB underscore Josh and HTB underscore Anthony I believe is what its Twitter handle is so what do you have for us on this too what were you guys talking about with some of the main takeaways you know like here's the thing the NCAA once again has, has failed kit, uh, failed a kid like they've done for its entire existence as an organization but this needs to be a rallying cry for North Carolina this needs to be a motivation factor where you got a, a player a teammate a brother if you will that's being that's being screwed out of play um, and here's the thing, like it, it, it sucks for him individually, but Carolina proved last week they can win big games without him. 
Um, and, and so, you know, I hated for him individually. This, this needs to be something that they rally behind and maybe this motivates them on a week-in, week-out basis. But uh, they've already proven that they, they're capable of, of finding guys to step up and make plays in his absence. So, yeah, man, Carolina's going to have to find guys to be able to step up. They were able to do so in the first game with Kobe, Pesor, John Copenhaven, each scoring touchdowns in that game. So they'll need him, Kamari Morales, Gavin Blackwell, J.J. Jones, all of these guys to be able to step up. J.J. Jones was definitely a guy that I thought was going to have a, a big game in his absence. Only had two catches for 24 yards. So as the world turns, Carolina's got App State uh, this weekend, 515 on the ACC Network. We shall see how everything turns out there. And, man, when you talk about having a big impact, it doesn't get any bigger than Colorado. We are a Charlotte sports show, and they're pretty much going to be in our daily, weekly college football breakdowns. And Coach Spurrier has said even on the eve of Texas and Alabama playing tomorrow, he said that is not the biggest game in the country. And he said, I, and quote, I think Rick Neuheisel said it. He said, who would have ever thunk that the second week of hmm. the season – Boulder, Colorado is going to be the center of college football when they play Nebraska. He said, I know a lot of people think Alabama and Texas is big, but to me, I think Colorado and Nebraska is the biggest game in the nation this week. He said this on the Paul Feinbaum show and said that he is all aboard the coach prime hype train and is enamored with Deion Sanders and his brand new roster and what they've already accomplished. And to add on to that, the Colorado Buffaloes are attracting more bets than NFL games. Sportsbook operator BetMGM reported Friday that Colorado Nebraska had attracted more bets than every remaining NFL game in week one. A rarity, according to bookmakers, especially for a matchup that didn't look attractive before the year. The bulk of the betting action, upwards of 90%, is on the Buffaloes. They are a consensus two-and-a-half-point home favorite over Nebraska. And at one point, that line was nine points in favor of the Nebraska Cornhuskers winning that game. So what do you just think about the impact Colorado's had, what Coach Spurrier said? Is this the biggest game of the weekend when you talk about Colorado and Nebraska? I mean, I don't think so for meaningful games down the line. If we're going to talk about when we discuss college fo football playoff implications. Right, but this week as far as being bigger than Alabama, Texas. Well, right. If we're talking about just long you know, season-ending implications with each game carrying a lot of significance, especially for teams that are trying to reach the top four. Alabama, you might be down on them. They're still trying to reach the top four this year. I think that Alabama-Texas game still is more supreme. If you're talking about what's going to be more popular, you went through some of the numbers as far as where the money is coming in. We're talking about a lot of Colorado-Nebraska. It's a little bit skewed here in Charlotte because we all want to see Matt Rule fail. I think that's why we're talking more so here. I don't know if Indiana... Is talking about this game nearly as much maybe being in Big Ten country with Nebraska whatever but you get the idea like, I, I don't know how much other markets are I they probably are a little bit though and so yeah if you're just talking about what is the most interesting story right now Alabama is trying to figure out their QB after Bryce Young Colorado 
bringing in a dude that's playing both sides of the ball, a guy that is Dion's son that threw 500 yards, I think entertainment value, I think popularity, it probably is Colorado and Nebraska on a national scale. And Fiddy, we are up against the break, but what say you uh, about all this and the impact Colorado football's had? You know, look, I, I, I love what Prime is doing at Colorado. I'll be tuned in tomorrow and hope he beats Matt Rule's ass. It's not the biggest game of the weekend, though, because Alabama and Texas has playoff implications on the line. Steve Sarkeesian is still really seeking that first signature win as Texas's head coach. And this is their final year in the Big 12 before they go join the SEC, where they'll see Bama yeah. more often moving forward. So, you know, I, it may be a more entertaining game because of the way Colorado plays, but it's not... If, if you're a college football fan, you're gearing up for Texas, Alabama, not Colorado, Nebraska. Uh, I will say, though, if I had to pick, if I could only watch one of those games, what I would want to watch on Saturday, I, ooh, that's pretty tough. But I probably would go with Colorado because I want to see how they follow up that big win against TCU.